Okay, we're learning daf pei beis. We're starting from six lines down. There's a two dots and pei beis amid aleph. So just to recap what we had yesterday, uh, we've been talking about this halacha that when a shomeres yavam is potentially falling to a yavam to do yivam, all the assets that the deceased brother own are kind of uh, in, in limbo because they're going to be inherited by the, by the theoretically by the brother who does yivam. But there's going to be this super strong lean on them that says, don't do anything with the properties, don't sell them. And the reason is they're all mishubed. They're all encumbered properties that are mishubed to her ksuba. And since it's only from those properties that she can collect the ksuba, Chazal put this super tight lean on, uh, on the avam. And they said, don't sell them. And as of now, we've been discussing how he can't sell them definitely before he does evil. And we wanted to know if he would try selling them, would it be valid or not? The case where it came out was what we talked about is, let's say... Uh, there was a younger brother who got quite jealous of the fact that his older brother is going to do Yibam and inherit all the properties. So the younger brother wants to make sure that doesn't happen. So he wants to give a get to the Zika, push away the option from Yibam on the table, and no Yibam will be done. And then eventually they'll all split the inheritance, the, the estate of the, of the deceased brother. And the older brother is kind of trying to say, he's trying to say, no, 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 let me do Yibam. Like, I, I want to do Yibam. Ah, you're tiny, you're going to lose out. Don't worry. I'm, I'm giving you half of it right now. And if I'm giving you half of it right now, you have nothing whatsoever to worry about. So the Gemara debated whether or not um, that transaction that he was making, that the older brother was making to the younger brother, was it valid? Was it binding? Or was it not? That was the question. And basically the question is, how machmer with Rabbanah when they said, oh, you can't sell the properties um, they sell the properties that are coming to you. Is it only Lachatchila don't sell or is it even the Yavit? So we had a dispute about it. So now we're going to see another story where pretty much the same thing happens. Six lines down. There was a person in Yavama fell to Yibam in the town of Masamachasia. The younger brother wanted to, to, to passel her to Yibam, uh, to all the brothers, by giving her a get. So again, the same thing. He wants to make sure no yibum is done, so that he's going to make so that he will have a stake in the uh, in the inheritance. Amalei, the older brother said, "Ma What's your intention?" Mishim say, "Ah, I know what your issue is. You want to make sure you're getting a share in the property. Don't worry, I'm giving the property. To you. I'm giving you half." So the younger brother said, "Amalei, I'm not going to buy this stuff. You know, I'm nervous. Obviously, you're going to do to me what the yesterday's daf, the guy, the the trickster in Pumbadiza did to his younger brother. Meaning, he claimed to him that he was going to give him half. He gave him." half of the property, and then uh, he was called the Ramah because the rabbi said that the transfer wasn't valid, and therefore there was, it was totally bottled, null and void because the older brother couldn't make a transaction on the property before the Yibam was done, and therefore that younger brother ended up not giving the get and not getting the property. So now in Muslim Achase, evidently they had heard about that story, what happened in Pumpadi. So he says, I'm not buying this over here. I'm nervous the same thing is gonna, is gonna happen. You're gonna make the transaction, the Rabbanon are gonna say it's, not, it's, not, it's null and void, and then I'm going to be left with nothing. So I'm going to go ahead and give my get to mess you up and make sure that I get, uh, that I really get the property. So I'm See, he said his father. The older brother said, If you want, you can divide from now. What does that mean? You can divide from now. Rashi explains what the Gemara means is, let's make the Kenya now, but it should only go into effect after I acquire the property and do Yibam. Meaning right now, it's before Yibam. Right now, if I try to sell it to you and transact it to you, it can't be Chal. What's the reason? Because, you know, as we're saying, the super lean is there and, and she's still in limbo. No Yibam has been done. You're right. The Rabbanon is saying now, even B'diyavid, if you try to transact it, it won't work. You're right. But let's make a Kenyan, not that it should happen now, but that it should take effect after my, it becomes my property. Maybe that should be able to be binding. So it's fascinating. Why? Because what we're delaying, and this is where the Lumdus kicks in, this is a very famous idea. Actually, the main source is Arasugya. When a Kenyan, the act of the Kenyan and the effect of the Kenyan 
are not at the same moment. So in other words, we're going to do the act of the Kenyan now. The Maisa HaKenyan will be now, but the Chalais of the Kenyan will only be at a time for later. So, so the question is whether that was valid. So the Gemar rules, we have a statement from Avdimi, who came from Eretz Yisrael, he reported in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, somebody who says this, friend, go and pull this cow. So go make a Maisa Kenyan Meshicha. But it shouldn't become yours until 30 days pass. So could I do that? Could we make a Kenyan Meshicha that the effect of the Meshicha should be after 30 days? What's the halacha? It's valid. He could be cornered after 30 days, even if it's standing in the swamp. Meaning to say, it's one thing to say if it's in the possession of the, of the recipient after 30 days, it's good. Because there, you kind of like see up the effect of the Kenyan after 30 days. You know, he pulled it into his backyard 30 days ago. Now 30 days have passed. The time of the Chalaj of the Kenyan is here. It's still in the backyard. Great. You're able to see how that effect still has meaning. How that Kenyan that was done 30 days ago could make it become his now because it's still in his backyard. See, we say, no, even if it's not in his backyard, even if it's in a, rond- a random swamp, meaning he did a Kenyan Meshicha today. The Kenyan is only supposed to go into effect in 30 days. In 30 days' time, it's in a random swamp because the animal, we, can't, we don't see it as anything to do with the recipient anymore. Nonetheless, it still works. There's a very interesting halacha that a Meshicha does not have to be any kiyom to the Maisa Kenyan at the time of that it's going to affect. So even though Rav Dimi reported that, so you're going to claim the same thing. Let the Kenyan year that we're doing before the Ibum, yes, I know if I transact before the Ibum won't work, but let's make the Maisa Kenyan now for it to go in effect after Ibum starts. No, we can say it's not a good comparison. Here it's worse. Over there, you know what? Why, you know why it could work? Because you did have the capacity to make it now. You happen to say it should be Chal in 30 days. Pull it now. We don't really know why they were saying it. Maybe they weren't interested in, maybe he still wanted to plow for another 30 days. But the point is, is that he, they could have made the transaction immediate. They chose, the, the two parties chose to say, you know what, no, let's do it, that it's only going to go into effect after 30 days. So then that works. So even though the Maisa Kenyan is, 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 you don't see its effect, you don't see it around in any more in any way after the 30 days, it's still good because it was originally Biyadai, when it started, in our case of the older brother's property of distributing what he's inheriting, before even was done, he has no kayach. He has no ability to do it. There's no biyada. He has no capacity to make the transaction now. That's the whole point. So he's trying to say, but let's do the Maisa Kenya now and guarantee it for the younger brother that it's going to go after the Yibam. That's good for the Gemara is that you can't do such a thing. A Kenyan that you can't make now go into effect, making the Maisa Kenyan today that to go into effect later into effect is not going to work. So therefore, the younger brother, even in this case, got messed up. Fine. Now the Gemara, we, 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 we're accepting that, that okay, it doesn't work here to make the Maisa Kenyan uh, before the Yibam, and it should go into effect after the Yibam, but now the Gemara just wants to understand another, another point. We just said by the Kenyan Meshicha that it works, even though it's not going to effect right now, and as we explained, because you could have done it now, just you didn't. Frek the Gemara, but when Rabin came from Eretz Yisrael, he said, over oh, different from Rabbi Yochanan, also Rabin and Rabbi Yochanan, when Rabin came from Eretz Yisrael, he quoted Rabbi Yochanan differently. He said, Lokani, if somebody pulls the cow, someone does the Meshicha today, that it should go into effect after 30 days, he reports in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that the Kenyan is Nachal. Why is the Kenyan Nachal? The Kenyan is Nachal because there's Yisoid that the Kenyan has to be direct to the time of its effect. The terminology that we've shown him use for it, by the way, it's called Kolsa Kenyano. The effect of the Kenyan is expired. It's like an expiration date. A Maisa Kenyan has to be in front of you. A Maisa has to directly make the, directly make the effect. If the intended effect is going to be in 30 days and then you don't, the cow is in the swamp, right? So you don't see any effect of the Maisa Kenyan. That can't work. So we're having a stira. 
In other words, we've accepted for evil, it's for sure not going to work because you don't have the capacity to transact it now. Certainly you can't have, make a mice Kenyan for it to go into effect later. But what we're asking is, Tom, we have a steer about the caves of Meshach Karazu, and you're going to be quoting after 30 days. We have Robin quoting Rabbi Yochan and Lokani, and before we had Rabdimi quoting Rabbi Yochan and Kani. So the Gemara answer is Lokasha, but it depends if you added one magic word. Did he say acquired from now, or he didn't say acquired from now? There's two ways of making a Kenyan from now that's in effect later. One is way to do it retroactive. It's really me'ashav. I know for the next 30 days, really, I'm plowing. Me, the seller. But when it goes into effect after 30 days, it's retroactively was yours for the past 30 days as well. Then it's okay. It's not Kosa Kinyano because the Misa and the effect actually are not off. It seems that they're off until the next 30 days. But once the 30-day mark comes, retroactively, it was always the recipient. So that's not Kosa. Whereas if you're not saying me'ashav, you're just saying this should be the Kinyan now so that it will go in 30 days. So then that's no good because... Because then um, there's, a, there, there, there's this break, there's this hafzik between the Maisa Kenyan and the Chalaisa the Kenyan. So we definitely have big Yusaitis of Kulsa Kenyano here. But, but nonetheless, what, what we're saying is that either way, in regard to Yibam, it's not going to help us. Because if you can't do it now, if you don't have the Kayak to make the Kenyan now, then it's not going to work for later either. Now, here's where interesting, we're going to do like a little 180 twist here in the, in the, in the Gemara. Um, is that we kind of were assuming Be'etzem it should work after he did Yivam and now he owns the properties. It should Be'etzem work that he could give it to his younger brother. But the issue was that his younger brother wasn't trusting he was going to do that. So they wanted to make the Kenyan before he did the Yivam that it would be binding afterwards. And that's where the Gemara was getting all technical. Could it work? Could it not work? But now the Gemara really brings up who says that even after you do Yivam that you could then sell it. Meaning... Maybe this idea, what's the idea here? The concept as we touched on more yesterday was there's a super lean on the property because the, the woman, the Yavama, her Ksuba, which is really old from her, her deceased husband died, it's only on these properties. The Yavam is not accepting Achrayas from all of his properties to pay her to. It's only from these properties that he inherits. So the Rabbanon are making like a sort of super lean on the property that from here, you know, you know the Yavam can't do it. Why is it so simple that he can tr- make a transaction on it even after he does Yibam? So Ba'amineh the Gemara actually discusses this now. They ask, Ula, Yibam what's the halacha if he did Yibam? And then he wants to distribute, distribute part of the say to the other brothers. What's the halacha? Meaning, let's say the brother trusted him. He didn't give the get just because he trusted him. Forget about making a Kenyan now to go in effect later. Stop. They didn't make a Kenyan now. He did Yibam and it was on the under, you know, the understanding that the other brother was going to compensate the brothers who didn't do Yibam very nicely for allowing him to do the Yibam. So he tries to compensate them. He tries to get them in front of the estate. What's the halacha? So Ula says, he's accomplished nothing. Meaning, it's not even a question of pre-Yibam, post-Yibam, even post-Yibam. The super lien does not allow a transaction until the Ksuba is paid out. So then the properties are not freed up. And again, it doesn't make a difference how much the Ksuba is worth. The Ksuba could be $50,000 and the, the, he could have $5 million that he inherited. It doesn't make a difference. The point is the super lien says that no transaction can happen even afterwards. Then the Gemara says an interesting thing. Like they, I follow up with a simpler question. If he distributed the state to the other brothers before Yibam, what's the halacha? So Ula said, Loss of Loklum, he didn't accomplish anything. So the Gemara doesn't understand. Like, if they asked him if he did Yibam and then he transacted it, you're still saying it doesn't work, even though he's totally the owner of the assets, but the super lean stops him. It inhibits him from making any transactions. So, are you going to declare that if he transacted it before he even did Yibam yet, that of course it's not binding? So the Gemara says, You're right. It's not like it was a follow, one question and then a follow up question. We're two separate questions. Each questions came independently in front of Ula. First, at one point, you know, there was a story, they asked him, and then at another point, they actually asked him about the first question, it wasn't like a progress to get to that. 
And the Gemara supports that that's a psak. Nothing has been accomplished. The super lean idea by Yibam is that even after Yibam is done, and, he, and the one who did Yibam really is the owner. He completely is the owner of the, of the properties. But still we say that he has accomplished nothing because of the super lean, which is placed upon the property. So it ends up, it's a little interesting in the Gemara, it ends up that that whole question that we were clearing about, he made the Kenyan before the Yibam al-Dazad afterwards, it really doesn't matter. Because even if you would do it afterwards, it wouldn't work. Um, the Gemara seemed to be was working through this, but along the way, we get to learn these ideas of Kulsa Kinyanin. Whether it works, it doesn't work for sure. If it's lobby other, it doesn't work, even if it is be other, but it has to be something where you say me'ashav, that it can be retroactively. Otherwise, it seems that we would see an issue of Kulsa, kulsa Hakin. So, so very interesting. So in the Gemara here, it's about Mashiach. Okay, Mashiach, so there, the Rishonim always tells us that, that by, by most, it does work. Like if a person gives a woman money, he says, in 30 days, then it works. What's the pshat? The pshat is because you showed him tell us the effect of the Kenyan is still around. Why? Even though you're not giving her the money again. But the idea is if I give you, how does a Kenyan castle work? It's not symbolic. It's not like, oh, I give you the money now. The Kenyan of what we said works. The idea is I gave you the money for a specific purpose. And if you don't return that purpose, then you have to give back the money. So it's not the, it's not the maisa. It's the shibud of the most if you give me the money. And same thing with the star, the document. If, if a Makadish woman was to say with the star and the star is still around at the end, then, then that would be fine. Yeah, so even, even for example, even if the woman, let's say, had used the money, the money's gone, she doesn't have a penny to her name, but she would still be with that just after 30 days because the she would created by the money is still around. That's what we're showing. So you have to know how to limit it where it applies. All right, now we go back to the Mishnah. So we were talking about in the Mishnah about whether or not movable properties are Meshuvah to Iksuba. Rameir holds that movable properties are Meshuvah to Iksuba. So let's say the Yavim is inheriting a bunch of uh, movable things. So we say that they're all Meshuvah to the Iksuba, Rameir said. The lean is on them and they, you know, so on and so forth. The Chum hold was only, the movable properties are not Meshuvah to Iksuba, only the real estate. So then we were looking at the text of the Mishnah, it says the pairs on Mechubar and Lakarka Shalom, the, 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 the produce which are attached to the ground are the Yavims. So what's the Gemara bothered by? You want to tell me Paris, which are detached, are the Yavams, I understand. That's the point. If they're detached, they're metalflin, they're movable properties. So there it makes sense that according to Rabbanon, they're movable properties. So then the lien is not on them for the Ksuba. But the, the Girsa that we had in the mission is that the Paris that are attached to the ground are also the Yavams. So the Gemara says, my, that doesn't make sense. So all the brother's property, all the real estate is pledged to the Ksuba. So Paris that are attached to the ground are real estate. That's part of the karka. So the same way the karka, the lien is on it, and therefore he can't, he's not free to do whatever he wants, even though he takes possession of it, the oven, but it's all that super lien is present for the ksuba. So that should include the pairs which are mechobah to the karka. So Yomar amends taka the gears of the Mishnah, Amar Yishalkish, Tani Yishallah, we change that it actually should read in the Mishnah that the pairs that are mechobah to the karka, that which is attached to the ground, actually um, is hers. Again, it doesn't mean that she's collecting it now, it just means that the super lien is upon it. All right, we analyze further. The Mishnah said, Once Yibam is done, if the Yavim marries the Yavama, what's the halacha? She is considered like his wife for all areas of halacha. So this Gemara is going to sound familiar for those of us who learned Yavamas. What, what, what area of halacha is this relevant to? That after Yibam is done, she's fully like his wife. Well, what are we trying to refer to? Two separate novelties. Novelty number one is that after Yibam is done, if the, if the Yavim and the Yavama want to get divorced, what, how do they do divorce? Simply they give a get, like every other couple. Normally, you need chalitza for Yivama to go free. But that's all before Yibam. After Yibam is done, now she becomes like a regular wife, in the sense that if they wanted to get rid of her, then he would just do, 
Yet, no chalitza is required. Second chedush, machzira. He can take her back afterwards as a wife. Meaning, let's say they do divorce and then they, 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 they regret doing it. They want to get back together. There's nothing wrong with that. The Yavam Levam are allowed to get back together. So the Gemara goes through with the novelty of this. Magash, we get pshita. Obviously, now as a regular wife, of course you divorce with a get. Why would you think you need chalitza? Says the Gemara, the Pasuk says, by Yivam, it says he takes her to himself as a wife and he does yibam with her which is mashma that actually even after the even after the maisa kicha is done after the bia is done after the yibam is done she's still a yivama the pasuk by adding the yibma after he takes her the implication is that she 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 blibes the yivama she has a shame of the yivama as if the zika is a constant perpetual thing and that means that it's never something you just get rid of like an ordinary wife I would say the pasuk is saying the get is not it should be insufficient she should always require chalitza as well. Kamash Malan, the Mishnah tells us, no, that after the Yibam is done, she does in fact become like a totally regular wife in the sense that he gives her just a get and no chalitza is required. Now we look at the second part of Rabbi Yisrochanina, Machzvira, that after he divorces her, it's mutter for the Yavim to take her back. Pshita, obviously. Why would you think it's different than another wife who could be remarried after you divorce? There's no Isser to remarry a woman you divorce unless she remarried somebody else. Top of the Amr Beis, Salt Gemara, Lam Shavart. You may have thought, what's the whole point? Mibam is a mitzvah. And he has done the mitzvah already. Now that he divorced her, her isser is being the brother's wife should return. That it does not. So let's understand. A brother's wife is Osir. It's an Arab. A brother's wife, Eshazach. The Torah permits the Eshazach in order for the mitzvah of Yibam to be performed. After the mitzvah of Yibam is performed, then he divorced her. But now he wants to take her back. Is he doing Yibam? No, it's not Yibam. Yibam was already done. So I would say at this point, the Isra of Eshazach should hold back the, the Yavam, the Yavama from remarrying. Kamash Malan, we say it does not. Says the Gemara Chanami. How do we talk? No. Maybe he can't give the get alone. Maybe it's also him as a brother's wife. And if you think about it, both of the two Havamis of the Gemara are really capturing, in a, in a way, different angles here, right? In other words, how do we know that, that it's, she's fully a wife in all regards? First of all, that you don't need to do chalitza if he wants to get rid of her. And second of all, that there's no Isra of Eshazach. How do we know that? Does Eshazach after Yisra? Yes, 100%. Like, let's say it's not a Yibam scenario, right? Let's say it's, uh, I don't know, there were kids. So then the halachas, these bowlers, five cards for Eshazach. Most arayas apply even lachar mitzvah, except for like achosisha. But Eshazach certainly does apply lachar mitzvah. Yeah, so the Gemara answers, so how do we talk and know it's true? We have extra words, and that, that, that when he's doing Yibam, the Torah adds that he takes her to himself as a wife. So what's this idea of Le'isha? Le'isha, it's Geisha. When he takes her, then she becomes like an ordinary wife. So, so interesting, it, 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 the concepts here, so it's almost like contradictory in the way the, the Pesukim painted. On the one hand, he's taking her as a wife, so he becomes a regular wife. On the other hand, the Torah does imply that she still has the Shem Yivama afterwards. But... We're putting it all together and we're saying at least in regard to whether or not he could divorce her with a get and in regard to whether or not he could take her back after he divorced her. And those halachas, it's like a regular wife, it's totally permitted, permitted for him to do it. All right. Now we added, what did the Mishnah say? Even though it's treated, a yibam is like a regular, she becomes like a regular wife. We have to remember that the, the ksuba obligation is only on the estate of her first husband. I mean, what does that mean to say? The Yavam does not accept independent financial responsibility for her ksuba. That's again, the say that we've been seeing for the last couple of days. The properties that he inherits are, have a super lean on them to pay her ksuba if his marriage, if the Yavam is terminated. But there's no independent chiyav. So the Gemara says, my time, what's the reason? And let's think about it, what the Gemara is asking. Very good. But say that we understand that, that it makes sense that, 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 he's, that the, first, the first husband, the deceased, owed the ksuba. We get that. But in addition to that, 
He's also marrying her. Right, so I get it. Yibam is abstract, but why doesn't he have an independent ksuba? She's, if, if the marriage is terminated, let her get both. So Gemara lomdesh idea is Hashem like forced it upon him, meaning to say he wasn't taking her out of his will and desire. It was it was it was the zika. It was the bind that which the Torah placed. The Torah is placing the bind upon uh, upon her upon him, and he takes her because Hashem said to take her. So therefore, there's no independent ksuba. However, the, the Gemara qualifies. What happens? V'e less la merishon. What happens for whatever reason that she didn't have a ksuba from the first husband? What does that mean? Let's say he didn't leave any property. So if he didn't leave any property, so she has nothing to rely on. She has no security. So then, Islamishini, the Rabbanon were misakin that the second husband, the Yavam, has to write an independent ksuba. What's the reason? We don't want her to be easy in his eyes to divorce. Meaning still, we want, we want to make sure that she has some ksuba. So if... There was properties that were inherited by the brother. The Yavam took stuff. So then very good. The security can come from there. But if, if there were no properties, so she doesn't really have Iksuba from the first husband, then the Rabbanu were misakin that the second husband, the Yavam, should be writing Iksuba. Okay, then the mission was talking about how while they're married, the Yavam can't tell the Yavama, your Iksuba is on the table. Your Iksuba is lying on the table. And the mission added, so too every husband can't tell his wife, your Iksuba is lying on the table. So the Shaila is, what, what was the reason, right? So we learned yesterday, we really came out that it's about making the wife feel secure in her marriage. And as the Rabbanim were very sensitive to her security. So if, if, even though technically he could, maybe it's ill-advised, but the point is, it, it, it's more than that we came out yesterday. The idea is that she feels, if he says, you know what, your ksuba is on the table, she feels it's like he's pushing, he's accelerating towards divorce. So she doesn't feel comfortable anymore, even though she has the money. In other words, he's telling her, instead of all my properties being encumbered to you to pay the ksuba if the marriage is terminated, which is the usual arrangement, here, your, your financial security is there on the table. So she feels as if like we're going towards divorce. So she, she loses it a little bit. So the Gemara says, my why do we, if we said that already by the Yibam, why do we have to add that the same thing is true in a regular marriage as well? So the Gemara says, Ma, who did he, ma? you may have said, awesome, maybe it's only by Yavama that you can't designate the money because of it. Again, remember, the Yavam doesn't independently pledge his properties towards Uksuba. He doesn't say any properties that I own or that I'm going to acquire are encumbered towards you. Remember, the Yavam's properties are not Meshavit. It's only what he inherits. So since she has less security to begin with, so then it's going to lead to ill will and it will push to divorce if he lays out the table for her, the money for her on the table. She doesn't feel the security. But in the case of a regular Wife, the 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 kanina at the at the regular marriage that they had at the wedding. What did he write? He wrote a regular ksuba, and the regular ksuba says, "Any property I've acquired in the past, any property that I will acquire in the future, all of it is pledged to the ksuba." So I could say that maybe she does feel secure, even if he designates a specific money for the payment. Maybe she could maintain a feeling of security. Kamashmal Mishnah tells us, no, it's always improper. Can always we're always nervous that it can cause ill will if she if he designates a specific uh, ksuba payment. Um, you might reflect that he's thinking about divorcing her. So therefore, it should never be done. Okay, we continue analyzing. The Mishnah said, Let's say after he took her in Yibam, then the Yavam divorced her, she only gets her Ksuba. In other words, what are we saying? We're saying that if, 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 if then, after Yibam, the divorce happens, she collects her Ksuba. So, I mean, that's kind of an obvious point. What's the, what's the novelty the Mishnah is saying? So the Gemara picks up, the Mishnah is coming to show us an implication of something that we learned yesterday. Gershe, and it sounds like she can only receive the Ksuba. She can only make a collection when, now that the divorce occurs. Lo Gershe, before the divorce, 
she can't collect. And if she can't collect, the husband is not free to sell any of the properties. Remember, even if the ksuba is only 50 grand and he inherited 5 million in the estate, all 5 million are tied up in that super strong lean towards her to the extent that before divorce, before she is collecting practically, on the ksuba, he can't sell anything. Kamash Mokhtar, Rabba telling us, like before, what we learned yesterday, B'Shem Rabba. What was Rabba saying? That what should the guy do? Nebuch, he's stuck, right? He doesn't want to manage the real estate, all these properties. He wants to sell it, but he can't because he's done Yibam and all of it is placed upon this super strong bind towards the Yavama. So what should he do? So Rabba told us that if it's a Kohen who would divorce his wife, he can't take her back. The only thing he can do is try to make a very lavish meal appease her to allow her, to, to, to convince her to allow him to sell the properties. And if it's a non-Kohen, then the, uh, the smarter option on the table is just divorce her, pay her out, the Ksuba, and then reconcile and remarry her um, for, and with the new Ksuba. But the properties that he inherited will become freed up. So we see that in the Mishnah that's saying like her Ksuba only comes and only frees up the rest of the estate once, she, once the divorce happens. Then we said in the Mishnah, if he does remarry her, so in other words, Yibam happens, um, divorce happens, and then they reconcile together. Uh, they reconcile together, but she hadn't yet collected her ksuba. So this is an interesting question. In other words, she's entitled for the, for the, for the ksuba as soon as the divorce happens. But before anything happens, they reconcile. They get back together. So what has happened? Does she get two ksubas? Two ksubas now? Ksuba for her marriage. And the mission says no. She's like all women who get only one ksuba. Meaning the assumption is that if you're reconciling before you're collecting the ksuba, the idea is that you're, the woman is consenting to it. She's saying it's okay. I'm good to go back into this relationship without accepting my payment from the first, first one. And I'm okay that the original obligation will cover through the second relationship as well. So the Gemara says, is that really such a novelty? I'll my Kamashma. What is the novelty? Is the mission showing us by saying this, that he's, she only gets her first ksuba if he takes her back? We learned this in another mission by a regular wife. Someone who divorces his wife and remarries her. The assumption is that he's remarrying her only on the basis of the first ksuba. Meaning, we assume that she's okay with, with, with only having one ksuba. So why does it have to be taught separately in our case of Yibam? Says the Gemara, I would say maybe that's true, only true for a regular wife. In that case, he's the one who wrote the original ksuba. Remember, he wrote it and he secured it with his own property. So now, she's okay with, with, with just having that ksuba, those original obligations. She's fine with that. I'll leave him to Remember, in our case of Yibam, the Yavam never wrote anything. It was all the original deceased brother who ordered the ksuba. The Yavim didn't obligate himself to anything. It was just those properties which he inherited that have the lien on them. Now he takes her back. Maybe she's back, but you want to take me back? A second relationship we're doing. Then, of course, now you need to secure it with your own property and make a new ksuba to get it stronger because you can gain a lot. It's not only how many she has, but it's a question of her security. Kamashwan the Mishnah says it's not like that. Even in that case, the ksuba is only... The way it was in the, when, when they originally did Yibam, meaning it's only going to come from the estate of the deceased husband. So that's a big novelty. It's a much bigger chiddush. In the case of a regular husband and wife, it's, it's, it's the same exact situation before and after. So why would she, well, we could say, okay, she's not, we can assume she doesn't want more. But here, she has an opportunity to get independent backing from her husband. Maybe she would jump at that. So therefore, maybe we're not so quick to assume she's consenting, actually to have the ksuba only owed from the deceased's estate. Kamash Malan, that it is. All right, now the Gemara elaborates a little bit on this idea of the lien. This is a very famous thing, how the Rabbana were so strong on the lien for the ksuba. So we see a little bit of the background here. 
Originally, when they were writing the Ksuba, there was no there was no such thing as pledging securities for the Ksuba. That all everything was you know encumbered, all the properties and everything. It wasn't like that. You just write. It was a thing that if, if the marriage would be terminated, if it was for a virgin, it would be two hundred zos. For a widow, it would be hundreds zos. You don't have to pledge all your possessions as a Sheba toward the Ksuba. It wasn't like that. There was no great security. It was just a general debt. But what happened was, you The men got very old. They wouldn't get married, meaning that the women wouldn't agree to get married because they were concerned that then what would happen was, even if the husband would have property at the time she married him, she married him maybe he'll sell the property, he'll cash out, he'll do a few deals, and whatever it is, at the time the marriage is terminated, there won't be anything left. There won't be anything left. She has no security. And the buyers aren't fearing collection, so on and so forth. So it's very interesting because you see, this is where halacha is so cool. You see the balance of economics versus the sensitivity in, in relationships. Because in other words, for economics, it's much better to minimize the amount of liens. For economics, it's much better because deals get done better. If you're a buyer, you don't want to buy anything with a lien. So that, and that's why they originally weren't securing it with their properties, because no one, no, it's going to make a much harder time. Many, many, the interest in the deal is going to be less. So that's why the husbands were doing it. But now they realize it's great. Your business is great. Business is booming. Economy's great. But the guys weren't getting married because the girls wouldn't agree to marry them because they had no security. The guys were dealing too many deals and they can't collect their ksuva. So that's where Basha Basha Shimon Ben Shatach Vatikin. It was a takana from Shimon Ben Shatach. I was going back to the Zugos. What an early takana. He was misaking kol nechasav achron l'ksuvasa. That's where it comes from. That a husband's possessions, all of them are pleasure to ksuva. All of the real property is mishubed, and there's a lien on it. And if he sells it, and she can collect it, she can take away. It's a fascinating thing how that came to be. The Gemara supports this. Tanya Namelch it says in a brayso like this as well. But Yishonah it calls him to mana Originally, would write for for a version two hundred zos a widow only a mana without pledging any possessions as security. The men were getting old; they weren't getting married. They made a new takana. That there should be a deposit of the money in her father in 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 in, in her father's house. Meaning, the first step was that the husband would designate money equal to the ksuba and leave it with the father. So that was you know a good thing. He can't prevent where his assets are and his real estate. We don't care about. There's something that the father can hold for his daughter, but it still wasn't good enough. Why? A dying still when the husband would get upset. Oh my Allah, he would just tell her go to your ksuba. What is the idea? The point is is that mentally the husband already paid for it. So if you already pay for it, you don't feel... The whole point of suba is that it, 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 it makes the husband reluctant in a moment of anger to divorce his wife. So that's good if you're paying out of pocket now. But if you already really paid and left the security with the father, so in your mind, you don't have access to that money anyway. So think about it like, you know, an apartment security that you leave with the landlord, right? There's something to that, that yes, he's secure, but you almost like forget that you have, you technically that money belongs to you, right? You forget it. it's inaccessible. You can't access it. So therefore, it's, the, it wasn't a good thing because the husbands were getting upset and they were still divorcing too quickly. So therefore, they made a takana. The next step was they says, you know what? Okay, let's designate as amount of money, but we'll leave it by you. So meaning it, it, it's secure. It's a security for her, but you have access to it. So therefore, it should accomplish everything. On the one hand, she has security, but on the other hand, you feel like it's your money, so you're reluctant for divorce. But what happened was, she was also so clustered, the wealthy woman would make it into baskets of gold or silver. I mean, they didn't want to leave, just leave the cash like lying around in the house where you could hide or whatever. So they would make it into a, a, a basket of silver. And the poor women would just make it into any cleat, even like a urinal, like Amara is saying. Like, in other words, anything. Like, just to turn it into something, like a tangible item as opposed to leaving cash in the house. But a dying, it still wasn't going to. The husband would still, if he would become angry with his wife, he would just say to her, take your excuse. 
Yeshuvah and leave. And the idea is that Lamaisa was already designated. Even though it was in his house, it wasn't the same deterrent. It, once it's designated, mentally it was, it was pushed away. And that's where Shimon Shatach made the Dakan. Shimon Shatach comes along with Tikin, he institutes, he says, All my possessions should be pledged to the Ksuba. And, um, and, and therefore, that's really saved the problem, that's saved the issue. Because now, yes, it push back on the economics, it's not as great, but now all his properties, in fact, were Meshubah to her, so she has total security.